one day I got an email, a newsletter from them mentioning that they're hiring a community manager. Didn't really know what the role was or what it entailed, but I was kind of trying to make a pivot from what I was doing full-time freelancing at the time. And so I just emailed them back and was like, hey, like, we'd love to chat about this. Is it open? And they were like, hey, honestly, we're thinking about you when we wrote this role. So... Hey, welcome to Beginner Maps, where we showcase stories of scary career pivots so that you get the courage, path, and role models to cover a career that you love. Hi, I'm Nitesh. Today, I am thrilled to have Max Speed with us. Max is the community and customer support lead at Superhive, a startup that teaches people code, design, and project management skills. What I find most interesting about Max is that if you visit his personal LinkedIn, you'll find that the experience section is a smorgasbord of careers. He has done everything from project management, website design, business coaching, freelancing, and community management. That's why I am super excited to speak to you about your career so far and how you think about making career pivots, Max. Can you just tell us what you did at Superhigh in this past week so that we can paint a picture of what a typical week looks like for you at the job. Yeah, so this this week, I was mainly focused on end of year strategy for what our community is gonna be doing or like what our focus areas for the community should be doing. Since it's kind of crazy to think like that next week is gonna be the last full week of August and then September is gonna be rolling through and it's already gonna be quarter four of the year. So just really kind of brainstorming and coming up with ideas for the last few months of 2022. Oh, that's amazing. What's the size of your community team? So our team is officially, I would say four people. We're merging teams together now. We're like blending teams internally to be on a greater community team. So there's about four of us. It's mainly myself that's in the community the most, myself and my other coworker. But yeah, now we're expanding a bit, which is super nice. Yeah, that's amazing. It means like your company is really investing in the community. That's always mm-hmm. nice to hear. Yeah, it's something that I definitely don't want to take for granted because I know there's a lot of <laughs> community professionals that have way smaller teams. Yeah, that's right. And like, what excites you about this job? What's the, what's one thing that comes to mind when you, when I ask you? question honestly just the learning aspect of it i still consider myself very new in in the field and just there's so much to learn of this industry it's it's growing in terms of people joining it it's also like it's growing in the sense that there's new tools there's new programs there's all these new communities that are launching all the time and so i think it's just like an exciting time to be in it because it just feels like it's the start of it yeah, I agree. It feels like the rules are still being made and we get to be a part of something that's going to be a much more important part of the business world in the next decade. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. I know that you started your first community manager role at Freelance Founders and you got it before you even knew what community management was. That is like super, super interesting. Can you tell us? how you got the job before you even knew what like it required what's that story yeah so 
I would say that this started during the start of the pandemic. I would say a few months into the pandemic, I was very fortunate where I was really busy with website design work. I was freelancing at the time. So I was doing a lot of website design and marketing. And I did have a lot of clients just because at that time, a lot of people needed to go online that weren't previously or needed to update their online websites. But it got to a point where I was feeling super burnt out. I needed to find people to like network with and connect with and just be able to connect with people that I couldn't do in the real world because we just couldn't go outside at the time. So I was just Googling a bunch of places and I came across freelance founders, I think on Instagram and was like, oh, this community looks really cool. There's a bunch of freelancers in there and I could probably network with people or maybe find new opportunities or just chat with people. And so I applied, it was a membership community. I applied, got in and was like, all right, I'll just try it for a couple of months to see if I like it. And ended up just being super active in there. There's a lot of really cool freelancers and people that I could network with and just chat with and share advice and frustrations at the time. And then one day I got an email, a newsletter from them mentioning that they're hiring a community manager. Didn't really know what the role was or like what it entailed, but I was trying to make a pivot from what I was doing full-time freelancing at the time. And so I just emailed them back and was like, Hey, I would love to chat about this. Is it open? And they were like, Hey, honestly, we're thinking about you when we wrote this role. So if you want it, it's yours. And so I was like, sure, I'll do it. I don't know what this is. I was figuring it out at the time. It was, it's, it was part-time contract too. So it wasn't like a full-time jump, but I was like, cool. Like I can remove some clients that I wanted to not work with anymore and focus on this new, like community building, community management. Wait, uh, so I have to pause it there. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So what did you do that made them think of you while they were writing this role? Yeah, I think I was just, there was a very popular channel in there called advice. And it's where people in the community are just like asking for advice on certain freelancing issues or client problems or whatever it might be. And so I was just always in that channel trying to offer help or support or anything I could do from my past experiences freelancing, because prior to joining that community, I had like five years of experience freelancing and I felt like I was able to offer some insider advice or share cool resources that I've come across. Anytime we had a new member that was joining, I was trying to welcome them in. And so I was kind of like doing stuff, not knowing that I was community building already. And that kind of just naturally led into the role. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. That's, it's so fascinating when your career and your personal interests just line up like that. Yeah. And honestly, it was, it was one of those things where it's the timing of it was perfect because I was looking to do less freelance, like design, marketing work. I was really looking for what is next in my like career path because I knew I didn't want to like freelance full time anymore. And I knew I wanted to do something different, but I wasn't really sure what that was. That's, that's great that it worked out. Okay. So now you're, you're the community manager. You're doing what you were basically already doing as a member. What changed? Like, did it feel like a scary thing or did it feel... Like you had to do something more now that you're being paid for this. What changed about your relationship with that community? Yeah, it definitely was intimidating to start just because that's really when the first wave of imposter syndrome hit was just like, okay, like I'm now this role. I don't want to like mess up in the first 30 days or I don't want to seem like I'm 
failing at this. And so that was a little nerve wracking, but honestly, like I didn't, I just continued to do the community work that I was doing, but then I now felt that I had a little bit more say in what the direction was going forward with stuff. I was like, okay, cool. Like now I could actually work with people to develop resources that we could promote from our community, or I, or I could implement ideas that I wanted to implement that I didn't feel comfortable doing before because I wasn't officially on the team. Yeah. One of our first like initiatives that we did was like only internally in the community, we like did a transparency survey slash database of what freelancers are charging and making to show like community members, okay, like I'm a designer who's been freelancing for four years. I'm only charging $45 per hour, but I see that someone else is charging 150 an hour. Why like it, maybe it can help me to like my confidence to get to that point. And so we just really wanted to create this like transparent salary freelance rate table where we could show community members like what they're charging, inspire people. And so that's like one of my first projects I worked on there. And, you know, it's just something cool. It's like something that I thought it was going to add a ton of value to people and an idea that I've always wanted to do in the community that previously I just didn't feel comfortable bringing up because I wasn't on the team. So I was like, I don't, and plus too, if I wasn't getting paid for it, I probably wouldn't want to put in all the volunteer time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. All right. You're in there. You're at your first community management job and um, you're killing it. You started this role, not knowing what it was and what it would entail to be a professional community builder. How did you start learning the ropes of community management? So I have to give a lot of shout out to Ben because he, it was like a little after awesome. I joined the, yeah, great. A little after I joined the freelance founders team, he reached out to us on like email through about like Comsor and like how they use Comsor as a community operations tool. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that there was tooling like this. And so I was like, oh, let me check this out. And then while we were having conversations, he was like, oh, you should check out community club. It's a really great resource of other community managers. You can learn from them, share resources, network. And so I was like, yes, this is what I did with Freelance Founders. I need this for community building so I can learn from people. And that was really like my big first learning experience in community building, just because I got to see like hundreds of other people, community builders from all different sizes of industries and years of experience too, and really learn from them and see what they're doing and being able to apply some of their tactics to like what we were doing. And that's one of my favorite things about community building and community managers in general is that people aren't like gatekeeping like the tools or resources or strategies are very open and sharing them because they just want to see other communities succeed versus like when I was like working in the marketing industry, I felt like it was very like under like gatekeeping where I was like, oh, you had to pay X and X to access this. And people were very much, I don't want to tell my secrets. And so it's, it was just really refreshing to be the opposite of that in community and community management. Yeah, I agree. I think there's like a sense of camaraderie in the community in general because we all realize that it's a new space and we're all struggling with the same challenges whether it is communicating the value of the community or getting more resources to like from the c-suite to invest in the community we're like it's a great motivating factor for sharing resources and developing a natural community around this exactly yeah it's really cool to see and yeah, you're right because it is so new and people just want to like offer some stuff that work for them. 
especially for people who are just getting into the industry. Yeah, it's just really nice to see that play out. Yeah. You started there, you're a community club, and I'm also in community club. I think we may have joined the Slack group at the same time. And I remember yeah. seeing you there, like in every Slack thread, whatever conversation was, you were there with a reply, with a helpful reply. And that was just so fascinating to me. I've always been curious, what was your motivation for just being so generous with your time in the community? Honestly, I figured like that's how I'm going to learn the most. It's just by interacting with more people and getting people involved. And, and honestly, too, like I'm one of the believers that like if you want value out of something, you also have to give value too. like you can't just expect it's going to be like a one way energy street you know and so like i was like okay if i really want to learn from this community i'm going to have to provide something as well otherwise it's not going to really work and yeah i just wanted to get as involved and plus this is a really cool way to meet other community builders and people too and like network that way because yeah i just got to interact with a bunch of different people on a daily basis that's really interesting okay you're like you're trying to provide value but you're also like a newcomer to the industry what can a newcomer do? What did you do as a newcomer to provide value to people in that community who maybe they've been in the industry for longer than you have? Or what kind of specific way that you provided value there? Yeah, I think one of the cool things is being new into a field. is like you have this fresh new perspective that like people might not have if they've been in there for a while. And so that's what I was trying to offer. If I'm someone who hasn't gone through a bunch of training before uh, years of experience like I'm still new but I can offer my perspective and what it's like for me to be like in the community space and then also as a community builder and what I'm doing or what I'm seeing and so I figured like that's how I would be able to like offer insights or advice love that all right so from from there you decided to build a career in community management you decided that it was a long-term thing that you can pursue and grow in. Can you tell me a little about what led to that decision? Yeah, I would just say, I think a few months into community building, I was just like, okay, this is something that I can see myself doing. It's definitely a career. I could join a team, which is something I wanted to do. And so that's when I just decided like, this would be something that I want to go all in on. Like I was looking for that, that new career path that I wanted to explore and, I, and being in this field for a little bit, I was like, okay, I think this is what it is. And so like, let me jump into it and really explore what this would look like if I were to work somewhere full time or make this something that I would continue to build upon. That's really cool. And what were the next steps? You, you want to, you want to build a career in this industry, what was the struggle, like the next struggle that you had to solve? I would say for me, it was probably, I didn't have a ton of experience. And so I was like, okay, if I don't have a ton of experience, but I want a community role, what can I do that kind of helps with that, where I can maybe supplement that experience with something else. And so that's when I was like coming across C-School and they were community management courses on like leveling your career. And I was like, okay, cool. I definitely want to explore this. I want to, I want to get certified that way. If I'm ever interviewing for a place and I don't have a ton of experience, I can speak to like the program that I went through where I felt like that helped me a bunch. And so from that point, I was like, okay, I definitely want to explore taking, like getting professionally certified in this industry. That's right. And 
Cisco is obviously a great program. I've had I've talked to so many people, speak such good things about this program. What was the the changing the transformation thing that C School did for you in your let's say when you look back at the time when you before you had gone through C School and then after you'd gone through it, what was the transformation? Yeah, I would say it was honestly like my, one of my favorite parts is being able to network and connect with my cohort of students who I went through the program with. Also just learn from the teachers who taught the course and be able to like really feel more confident in what it would look like if I joined a team and like how I would be able to like pitch this community role or pitch why this is important. I think it was just giving me a really good foundation blocks to build on where like I didn't necessarily have before because I was just learning on the go. And I think learning on the go is great. Learning through experience is amazing. It teaches you so much, but going through C school, I was like, okay, cool. Now I have some actual like strategies that I can implement. I have actual ideas and how like it would look like if I worked for a company, I have some like now ideas. Okay. If I was to join a big team, how would I pitch internal stakeholders of why this community platform, we need this or why we need this community in the first place. And yeah, it just gave me a little bit more confidence in my role as a community builder. Okay. And tell us how you went from there and into your current role at Super High. Because I know that you have a great story there as well. Yeah. After C-School was like wrapping up. It was actually during C-School itself. That's when I was really like, okay, I want to start. So I, I started C-School like August of basically like this time last year. And started C school and was like, okay, like now I want to start like looking for full-time work. Like, I think it was like around this time last year, I was like, okay, my goal is to like, by the end of the year is to make, like find a full-time job in the community. And one of my companies I wanted to work for was Comstorm Community Club. And so I was very active in the channels and I was like, okay, cool. If the role ever opens up, I could use my experience in the community for interviewing, but I was also looking for a bunch of other community roles too. Like I was just seeing what's out there and when the comm store role opened up for community manager, I was like, oh, this would be perfect. Like I'm going to apply. And I was kind of like putting my eggs in that basket, went through the interview process, ended up not getting that role and was like feeling like a little defeated, but then was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start reaching out to my previous contacts that I've been in touch with throughout the years. And what came to mind was super high. Like I'm, I've been in the super high community since 2018. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to send. Rick, who's their CEO, message on Slack and just be like, hey, because we've been chatting back and forth throughout the years. And I'm just sending a message like, hey, like, I'm really looking to get a role in community. I've just finished this program or I'm finishing this program. Like, I've, this is my experience. It was a very just casual message. I was not expecting anything of it. This is probably... Did you know that they were hiring or something? No, not at all. So they didn't have a role open or I didn't see a role open. This is like mid-November this send a message. And then he like replies back like pretty quickly. And he's like, Hey, like really great to hear from you. We're actually looking to hire for a role like this. Let me put you in touch with our product manager and got on a call with her the following week. And which like anticipated to be more of a, just like a introductory, like, this is who I am. And like, not, I didn't even know if they had a role open. I just wanted to introduce myself. I kind of led into an interview, which then led into another interview like a week later that was with the team and then after that interview that led into like a another one that was more of like a job shadowing type 
So I got to see like their systems. I got to get a better sense of how they work, like what they use. And then from there, like it landed a, a role. I think I got an offer like the last week of November, the first week of December and was very stoked because this was a company I've also really wanted to work for, for throughout the years. I applied to numerous roles throughout the years too. And so it's like very happy that it just worked out. And it literally happened by chance of me being distraught from a previous rejection to me just being like, you know what, I'm going to reach out. Like, it's not going to hurt. Let me just see what happens. And then it kind of led into that. Wow. There are so many points in this story that I want to dive into. Uh, I'm going to dive into what you just said, but you started reaching out uh, after the rejection from Costa, you started reaching out to different other companies that you've been in touch with. Tell me more about that because most people do not do that. How many companies, first of all, if you can approximate, how many companies did you reach out? After I got rejected from the role? Yeah. I'll probably say three or four different people or companies. But yeah, that's my thing is like, I never, I was like, whatever, if I don't hear back from them or if it's a no, then like, I'm not going to be in a worse position than I am now. In the stuff by chance that happens throughout my career, that's been like the big part of how I've been able to land some certain roles. And I was like, whatever, I'm gonna shoot a message. If it works, amazing. If it doesn't, well, I tried, like I can at least say I tried. So yeah, I just went back to that. That's great. And you reached out to the CEO and what was your pitch? Like, how did you pitch the value you could add? Was it based on what you already saw in the community or I'm trying to get a sense of led him to engage in that ask? Yeah, I knew that they didn't have a community lead at that time. So I just was just like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. We were in touch too, like when I was working at Freelance Founders and kind of like that community. So he was already aware of where I was working prior. And he was already like, we've been in touch throughout the years, just being me being in the community, taking courses. And yeah, it wasn't like anything that I necessarily need to pitch. I was just kind of more like putting it out there that like I'm open to work. This is super fascinating because you basically like both of these community jobs that you got, they were at communities that you were already a part of. And what you did is basically you pitched that you're available for helping do it in a more mm -hmm. professional way. And this has to be a really like underrated way of getting a job. I know that there are so many people who just hunt in the job boards and apply to places that they may have not even heard of, like companies that they've not even heard of. And here you are, you're trying to leverage all your past connections. I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to give the listener a lesson here. And what would you say that you can do, anybody listening here can do to create such a serendipity in their life? Honestly, it's just something I think where you know, create the opportunities that you want. Don't wait for something to happen. Just create them yourself. And so if it's okay, if you're part of something now, or you want to see something, what can you do to create that opportunity for that to happen? It's not always going to work. It's like, you know, if you join a community and you're active, it's not going to mean like you're going to get a role as their community lead, but that work can really teach you like what you like, what you don't like, and give you some insight into maybe like what the company is before you even were to apply. And then you can use that to like, or, and if you're like, Hey, you know what? They don't have any roles open, but I'm really active. I really love this niche in this community, or I love doing like this thing. Let me just pitch myself to do that. 
I think that's the most underrated part. And I think that's something that where I learned a lot with freelancing is that you have to pitch yourself, right? Like you can't just wait for opportunities. You can't just wait for someone to email you being like, I need a website. This is the budget. Like you're hired if you email me back. Like you, you have to like really pitch yourself into like why they need this, why they need you, what you can do to help them. And so I think I take that like mentality to community building or like when I'm looking for new roles or whatever it might be is like, I don't want to wait for opportunities just to show up. I want to see what I can make happen beforehand to use that as like networking and leverage and building and, and growing. Yeah, I think this just shows in like in the different aspects of your career, not just job search, because you're also really proactive in connecting to people in the community club, as you said, when you first joined there and there is messaging and being super active and creating opportunities for networking, which otherwise would not have happened. So you said that you, you really need to pitch yourself. I'm having like a hunch that it has something to do with your background as a freelancer. Is mm -hmm. that where you learned about this? Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Like I had to, I wouldn't be able to, it's really hard to survive as a freelancer without doing that or a business owner too. You have to like constantly fight for pitching yourself, pitching your services and what you do and networking and putting yourself out there. Like you can't just kind of sit on the sidelines. And yeah, that's just really where I learned this kind of mentality and mindset. And part of the reason why I kind of pitch for people who might be freelancing or might have their own business, but not necessarily in community who want to pivot to that role, like you can use that mindset and the mentality, like those strengths to like use for your community building experience. And how would you do that? So for community, like use the strengths for community building, like how I did with promoting myself, pitching myself, networking, get myself out there, creating those opportunities to happen. Like that's one prime example. Another one is I think as a community builder, like one of the strengths that you have is just being super organized and detail oriented, like just knowing, like keeping track of stuff, right? Like your documents, processes and all that. And so I think if you have prior experience of doing that at a previous role, that's a big plus because community building, it's like chaotic. There's a million things going on at once. And so like just being an organized person is really a benefit to going into community building where maybe you don't have experience in like engagement where you're like tagging people or knowing or knowing what to post to like draw in answers and things like that. But if you have a ton of organizational experience, that's still an, a huge plus where um, people need to have that. Yeah, I agree. This is such a cool story about you connecting the dots from your past into your current role. So you, you worked for five years as a freelancer, business coach, and now in a seemingly unrelated role, which is community management, you're able to connect those skills. Yeah, there's a ton of skills that you can bring from your previous career that you might not know that like it's applicable to your community building career, but it definitely is. There's a lot of stuff. And I think that's where a lot of people can get stuck up on stuff is they're like, oh, I want to transfer this new field. Or I want to do this, but they're not quite sure like how to make that happen. Yeah. And talking about this transition, when you were a freelancer, you were working as a web designer and a business coach, right? Yes. So even though you were working as a freelancer in the web design and business coach, you did not try to pursue like a full-time 
job in either of those? What was the reason for that? There were some points where I was working at like a few agencies in between where maybe it was because I was burnt out from freelancing or I wanted just steadier pace of clients. While I was freelancing, I really wanted to do, this was before the pandemic too. So like the remote work wasn't as big. People did work remote, but it wasn't like a huge thing as it is now. And so that was a big part of me freelancing was like, I just want to work from home or wherever, and I don't need to be stuck to an office and I don't need to ask for PTO if I want to go visit my family. And so that was my big motivator of freelancing. My big motivator of getting out of freelancing was one was just a new career path. I came to the realization that I've been doing design work. I've been doing like advertising. I've been doing like coaching stuff and I felt like I was good at it, but it wasn't something I was super jazzed about every day where I was like, I'm so excited to do this. And I think it's another reminder that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you need to make that your career. And so pardon me, like getting out of freelancing was like, okay, I need to, I want to find another career. And I also want to be part of this team. I was really tired of just being a one man ship. And I think it was part reason of the pandemic too, was that the added loneliness of just being like able, like I missed networking, I missed co-working with people. And so I was like, okay, I really want to join a team. I want to be part of something like that's bigger than just what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I, I tried to consult at the beginning of this year and it was great. Like I had the flexibility and all the perks that come with owning your own business, but the loneliness and the being a one-man show, it just felt like there was a disconnect from my own, what I wanted emotionally from my work. I wanted to be really deeply connected to my project and not just consider it as just another client engagement thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's one of the downsides of being on your own ship sometimes is like where, yeah, I mean, it just gets, it does get lonely and it gets to a point where it's a lot of stuff is on you to make happen. You're like the CEO, you're the accountant, you're the head of sales, everything. And yeah, I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I want to focus on community and just community. And I didn't want to focus on sales. I didn't want to focus on accounting. I just really wanted to dive into the stuff that I like doing. Mm-hmm. That's that was great. And it worked out for you. Congratulations. And that's Thank you. been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now I want to segue into how you're looking at your career like right now, looking at growing in your career right now. Your story obviously has great points where serendipity played luck played its part and brought you opportunities but oftentimes when you're at a stable job and you're working there it can be difficult to invest time in activity outside of your what you really need and make room for serendipity what is something that you do like outside of your job to prepare for prepare for luck that's a good question. Is this also meaning what I do outside of my work to like kind of just center myself too? Or Yeah, it can be like basically like anything. So anything that does not relate to super high strictly, uh, it can be networking or anything else that you do on the internet that you feel might bring you opportunities in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah, definitely networking with other community builders, doing stuff like this where like, you know, getting myself out of my comfort zone and doing more like podcasts and interviews and speaking engagements and things where I can learn from and also share my 
story. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, you, you accepted this invitation from, from me where we have never talked before. So that just shows that you really believe this. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things where it's like, I see a lot of stuff as opportunities where it's an opportunity for me to get better and grow. And it's an opportunity for me to like network with people and learn from others. And I very much want to continue to say yes to opportunities like that, where I can just, yeah, continue to develop and get better at what I'm doing. I think you're doing a great job at that. I see you all the time on the, the community community, mm -hmm. like on Twitter in the different communities. And you're definitely uh, a thought leader, even if you're so humble as to not accept <laughs> that title. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Okay, so imposter syndrome, that has come up a few times in our conversation. So what have you learned about dealing with imposter syndrome as you move across careers? Like you've moved across careers many times and every move comes with a new way of imposter syndrome, I'm sure. What have you learned about dealing with that? Yeah, imposter syndrome is just something that like I've been trying to just accept that like it is what it is and it's going to be there no matter what. Like no matter if you have one year experience or 10 years or 20, as soon as you get to the next step, it's going to kind of come back at you. And so, you know, a couple of things that like really work for me is just being able to be open about it, transparent about it. If I am feeling like I'm an imposter during this moment or whatever it is, I'm, I share that with people I'm talking to or on Twitter or whatever it might be, because Maybe it helps someone else that's also going through it. And then also too, the words of encouragement help you snap out of that. And so, you know, it's something that I really like to be just very open and transparent about. I also have been reading about a lot of like throughout the years of like, it's really important to keep like a wins folder or like a praise folder on your desktop or somewhere that you can access of just like really awesome stuff you've done or people that have congratulated you or said this is like awesome work or any praises that you receive. And so I really started to do that when I started my new role at Super High. I have a wins folder on my desktop and I just take screenshots of stuff and I put them in there. Uh, if it's from community members who are saying something nice or if it's from my team and I revisit that as like those moments come up and it's just a good time to reflect on that because I think when imposter syndrome comes up, we're always like, we don't think to like reflect a little bit on what we've grown into. And I think once you bring in that reflection process into when those moments happen, it's a lot easier to snap out of it versus going in the rabbit hole of feeling like an imposter. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to see that and I'm going to create a wins folder too, because I always, when you're in the moment, you're just like, when somebody's praising you or you're receiving a good comment about your work, you're just enjoying it and you feel like you hope that you remember it when you need it, but you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I that's the that's thing is, yeah, it's really hard to remember those moments when you need it and just taking two seconds to take a screenshot, throw it in a folder, even if you don't need to look at it at that moment because you're like feeling good, but just have it to have a place when you're as an imposter or also too, like, it's a good place to go back to when you're maybe looking for a new opportunity or career, you can go back to that and be like, oh, like there's some stuff in here that I forgot about that I did throughout this experience. Yeah. And so I can use that to like 
what I'm talking about for something that I want to do next. So it's an added benefit for both. Yeah, totally. It's like your own private testimonials. Section. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> much needed. Very much needed. <laughs> Love it. Okay, tell us about your community coach. I saw that you're working with Danielle uh, mm-hmm. from Burb, and you said that she's a community coach. So what is that relationship? Yeah, you know, I think one of the really great things with being at Super Highs are very, they want to invest in your career and they want to invest in your future. And because I don't have, I have direct bosses and stuff, but I don't have anything above me that is like a director of community or chief of community. And so kind of looking at to an outside consultant or coach that can help me if I need specific advice in my field of what I'm doing. And yeah, they were like, Hey, if you want to hire a coach for this, we had more than willing to like make this happen. And I've been in touch with Danielle throughout the, I think like the year at this point and just in Twitter and just seeing like what she's been doing in the community and like trying to learn from her and realized that she was opening up her coaching practice for a couple of people. And so I was like, Hey, I would love to take part of this. I worked with a business coach when I was like as a freelancer, when I was looking to develop more as a freelancer. And so I know the importance of being a, of working with business coaches. I've also done business coaching for freelancers too. It was something I just really wanted to invest my time and energy in. And yeah, I mean, I've had a few coaching sessions with her now and she's awesome. And it's just really nice to like be able to work with someone who has been through what you've been through. It seems really interesting. I have never worked with a business coach or a private coach. So can you say that you understand the value of working with such a coach? And you've obviously been a coach. What is the value? Like, what do you get in your career from that relationship? Yeah, I would say one, one of the bigger things is like accountability. Being able to have someone hold you accountable to what you say you're going to work on or what you are going to work on is huge. And I know you, you know, people are like, oh, if I can ask my friends or I can ask my partner, I could ask my family and that's all well and good, but that tends not to happen really. Like it, things come up and you're working with a coach for that specific process or purpose. And so they're going to really hold you accountable to that, which I think is really important. And it's kind of like the same thing that like why I think therapy is important is like you're talking to someone that's outside of your circle where their whole purpose is to help you and to be there for you where they're not going to have previous judgments or previous yeah just thoughts about things and they're just going to be there to help support and guide and so I think that's where really like the business coaching come in to really like be there as added value to have that extra support layer where Maybe you don't feel comfortable asking your team because you're like, eh, like it, I should know this. So I don't want to ask them. Or maybe you don't feel comfortable speaking to anyone else in your network because they're already too busy. And, you know, like as much as people want to help, sometimes if they're not getting paid, it's not going to be a top priority for them where I think, hey, I'm investing time and money to this person. I'm, I'm getting value back from that. That idea. And. Okay, so if I am interested in working with a coach like this, how would I go about even, how would you go about finding a coach? I think you said that you were trying, looking for somebody to coach you and I didn't just Mm -hmm. happen. So yeah, I would say one is like ask your network, like 
who knows in your network of people who have maybe worked with a coach that they really like, like recommendations are huge. And so I would say like that should be like your first step and then interview coaches too, right? Like they usually have free 15 to 30 minute consultation to get to know each other, to see if, if I'm the right fit, right? Like I think, and that's something I did as a coach too, like where I don't think I was the right fit for everyone. And I wanted to make sure that they were like actually serious about wanting to be coached because a coach isn't going to necessarily get you from A to B if you don't want to put in the work. Like they can only do so much as a coach and having like that experience where I'm just like, I want to make sure that someone is really invested in that time. And, and then as hiring a coach, you want to make sure that they're like, that they have the time to commit to this and that they're serious about it. And you're, and you have a, and you can click with them and understand like you have that, like, I don't know how to describe it. You just get that sense of like, okay, I have a good feeling about this person. And I think that's where it's important to find that before you invest the time and money, because I think working with a coach that you aren't seeing eye to eye, or it's just not a good idea. You're going to lose money. You're going to feel bad about the experience. You're probably not going to want to do it again in the future. And so I think it's really important to find the right person before you commit to that. Love this idea. I think I am going to try to find this similar coach because, mm. it, uh, yeah, it feels so natural. It's having uh, a person in your corner who can just see this one slice of you and advise you on this aspect of your life. Exactly. And yeah, and you know, I would say the first step for you, just ask people in your network, be like, hey, looking for a coach. If anyone has worked with anyone or is one, would love recommendations. Yeah, love that. Okay, I'm just going to have a few questions, a couple of questions for final tips for our listeners. I know from your, your posts on LinkedIn and Twitter that you're really big and advocate uh, about the idea of having a work-life balance. Can you speak about that a little? Like, why do you think that's so important in your career? Yeah, I would say like being a community builder is, it's tough to pull away because communities don't really lock out. And you want to be there to help and support someone. And so this is an ongoing thing that I'm constantly working on. Like, I'm not an expert in this. I'm not like this perfect person where I'm signing out at 5 p.m. And I'm never checking until the next day. And like, I do slip up and there are things that like, it's sometimes hard for me to pull away. But it's just a work in progress. I've been working with my team a lot to come up with ideas to implement tools on my computer. So at a certain time, it automatically, it blocks the website for me to like, check it out. It'll block Slack, it'll block like Notion, it'll block other, like my email. And I think implementing tools that will help create that balance, especially if you have a tough time of doing that yourself is super beneficial. Also like deleting the apps from your phone. Don't have Slack on your phone. You don't need it. Trust me, you don't. Like if you're away and you're, you can always reinstall it and then take it off your phone for that time, but you don't need it on your phone all day. It's not that big of a deal. And that was a hard thing for me to get through my head was like, oh, I need this. Cause like, what if an emergency comes up and it's just, this is not the case. So I think getting rid of apps, getting rid of notifications is a huge help. And yeah, just creating, I guess, like pain points for you to access the stuff that you need to. So for example, like I try to leave all my work stuff in my office in my apartment where if I need to check something I have to like physically get up and walk to get there versus me just laying in bed checking my laptop where it's a lot easier for me to do that 
because then if I have to get up and I have to walk to my office, even though it's not that far, it's like, mm, I don't really need to touch this right now. So those little things like definitely add up. Yeah, a big fan of the idea of creating frictions for yourself. Yes. So I recently read this article, which was actually a like a summary for a, a book. And it said that just remove everything from your home screen on your phone. And so now you've created friction for yourself for accessing any app and you'll need to pull down and type the name of the app and you can't just mm -hmm. uh, open that app mindlessly when you're scrolling through the phone. And that has, even that little thing has uh, worked wonders into reducing the amount of time I spend on my phone. A hundred percent. Yeah, that does wonders. Also, like, I try not to have my phone out on my desk when I'm working too. Otherwise, if I'm just like in between stuff, I'll like scroll or I either try to have it in my pocket or like somewhere else because yeah, it's just, and it's one of those things where you don't even realize you're doing it. You're just like, yeah. oh, I've looked at my phone and now I've been looking at it for 30 minutes. I had no idea I was, this is a thing. So yeah, creating those friction points is a huge help, especially because that's the thing is I always knew I wanted to spend less time on Slack and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to wake up and not check it first thing on my phone. That was always in my head, but I never listened to myself. I just did it anyway. And so it was like, it wasn't until I deleted it off my phone where I couldn't actually access it. That was when the real change of it happened. Right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. And the final question for you is what is next for you? What's the next thing you're looking to in your career, like the next big thing. Yeah, I want to just keep developing what I'm doing. Eventually go into a director role, chief of community role, and kind of lead more of a team. I think it's like the next step is where I want to go. Like I love being like the day-to-day -day person of posting and engaging and checking on the community, but I, I really love the strategy work behind it. I'm doing a lot of like user research aspects of what I'm doing now. And I love like developing that. And I really just want to get experience like leading a team. So I think that's like where I'm going to go next, but also, I don't know, I'm not in a rush. I'm going to just continue to develop what I'm doing. Like, you know, I think I've grown a lot in this past year and I'm really just excited to see like what the next year will be like when I look back at this time. I just really like working this, in this industry, to be honest. Love that. I am so happy for you. and. Really excited to see where you go and the stuff that you share in the community community as you just go and learn stuff for yourself and teach us that. No, yeah, I appreciate it. And also too, like from you, like I've learned a lot from what you've posted and seeing how far you've grown too. And so it's really cool to, to see other community builders in this space just being like, hey, like six months ago, this is what we were doing and now we're working on this and it's going to be exciting to see like what we're going to be working on six months from now. Yeah, super generous of you. Thank you so much for your time, Max. Yeah, of course. Thank you.